0: Thayer Thomas reverses field, cuts it up. Thomas
1: gets a block. He's got a chance. Thayer Thomas makes a house call. All
0: right, folks, we're back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, and I'm uh, here with my co-host from live from Puerto Rico, Will. <laughs> I'm here can checking you
2: out. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me?
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. It sounds like you are in a Puerto Rican bathroom, but we'll deal with it. Uh, I am happy to have on uh, James Henderson of IPS, probably the biggest Wolfpack celebrity out there. Wow, um, I might be biased. Celebrity, huh? <laughs> celebrity, celebrity. Yeah, yeah. I am gonna be biased, but I think IPS puts out the best content. I am not, I am not too into the recruiting part, but how you guys cover the games and the analysis, uh, I think they can't be beat. So, if you haven't checked out IPS, check out IPS. There you go, James. That's your intro. Appreciate it, man. Definitely. All right. So, what led you to start
3: IPS? I'm going to throw you some softballs here early. Yeah. Well, you know, for so for, I, I'm sure your listeners. Well, I don't know if they are or not, but I used to be at um at Pack Pride. I started up. Uh, well, we started up me and a couple guys, Pack Pride, and I think 2002. And um, I just was tired of really dealing with a network, you know. Um, uh, and just to, I mean, long story short, I mean that was really all it was. Was I, I just wanted to have? I had the opportunity to go independent. And not have to deal with the, uh, the, the, content situation, uh, the ad situation that you see from a lot of these networks now and just really be able to, to produce kind of the, the premium product that we want to be able to put out and not have it, uh, you know, distorted, uh, I think disrupted, uh, by just a bunch of ads. And, and I mean, obviously there's financial reasons in there as well. I mean, yeah, you know, that matters to everybody, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was really it. I mean, just the ability to go out and 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 kind of do our own independent thing. And there's some pluses and minuses to it, but I love it so far. I mean, we've been doing it now for just over two years, um, continue to grow as we continue to put our name out. I think the toughest part for me, though, was was and me and you, we we had talked about this previously before I did it or even right when I did it. Uh, just going to, with no no uh, Twitter presence, you know, no social media presence, man. I didn't have any Twitter account, anything like that that I could start off of. And it was almost just kind of starting it from dark. And so it's taken some time for everybody to find or for a lot of people to find, you know, where we're at. I still have people email me. Hey, man, are you at WRL now or what, where are you at? You know, <laughs> just don't, don't even have a clue that I'm running a website. So I guess those are people not on social media. but. Yeah, I mean that—that's really been the the main struggle. But now, now we're we're in a situation where we're doing really well.
0: That's good, man. I think the content you guys are putting out there is is awesome. It's it's super interesting. You got all the the analysis and stuff, and it, it's worth it. You guys put some time into it, and you're doing a great job. I, for my opinion, um, I, I didn't properly introduce you to Will, who you probably have never spoken to, but no. he's known <laughs> as Baxter on your message board, oh, so yeah. he's a big fan as well, and he's gonna <laughs> throw some questions for you.
2: Yeah, I got some I got some softballs here, too. Um, so what I thought, you know, Evan and I were talking about it last week. This podcast got deleted to the Internet. But uh, we were talking kind of about the evolution of NC State Forums, you know, in particular, what it was like early on with those message boards versus today, especially with, you know, you mentioned that the content that you guys are bringing to the the site is really kind of a step above everyone else. So is that something you ever saw kind of early on? like with Pack Pride that you thought there might be somewhere you could get to, or was it really you thought that, you know, going to IPS was going to enable you to do that?
3: You know, it's interesting. I think um, when you're in any sort of business, you always have to kind of continue to find ways to improve and, and adapt. And, and I think that's one of the things I try and, and almost challenge myself, you know, all the time. I mean, I'll often just, I'll be driving or whatever. I, and, Pull out my phone and, and and write a note of a potential type of article I'd like to do. You know, if it just pops in my head, and, and and I think, you know, when I start when we started doing this, a lot of it, and you guys know, I mean, we the majority of the focus, and still a lot of it now is was on recruiting content, and and early on, this was before the social media and, and all the thing, all those things back in, you know, like I said, oh two oh three. I mean, there wasn't any of that social media type stuff. So for us, breaking news was who was the kid's top five or who was the kid going to commit to and when was he going to commit? And now, you know, you're in a situation where kids are doing all this stuff on their own. Uh, You know, they're putting it out on their social media accounts, they're putting it out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Um, So that element of, of covering recruiting has changed. And so for me, I had to step back and say, okay, well, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be producing premium content, what can I do that's going to be valuable? And so I just went back to saying, let's really cover the team and let's do it from different aspects that, that a lot of, of these sites aren't really doing or they were not doing. And, you know, so we do charting, charting columns where we take a look at the passing game and the pass protections and the types of routes guys are running, different things like that. We do film room features where we break down specific plays and, and give you a. a, a I have a, a buddy of mine who I went to college with at NC State, uh, James Johnson. He's a coach at Richmond County high school who does that for me where he breaks down games and um and really kind of gives you just the nuts and bolts of it from a coach's standpoint. Same thing in basketball. Another one of our writers, Jake McSwain, he played uh he played basketball at Methodist. So he does the same thing for us from on the basketball side. Um and so we try to look at it from okay, if 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 we can't now break who a kid's leaning to or who his top five is, all that, well we're going to give you a ton of really good team coverage along with the recruiting coverage we can give you. And so that's kind of how I've come about in terms of adjusting to it from a content standpoint. And I would have probably done the same at, if I, you know, if I was still on a network. Um, but I, I just think that um, being independent allows you the freedom to, to do those things. And that's not to say there's not positives with being on a network. There are. Um, it's just for me, I mean, and, and IPS, I mean, I think that's one of the angles we tried to really come from.
0: Yeah. I think um, you and I might've talked about this before, but, you, you can't be first anymore. There's right. no real benefit to, you know, going out there and beating your chest to say, hey, we found this out first. Because everybody finds out the same thing, you know, through social media. So you need to differenti- differentiate a different way. And I think that's, you know, you guys are doing that. And, you know, kudos to you for recognizing that and creating that content.
3: Yeah, I think the last thing I broke, and I'll probably remember it because I probably won't be anything for a while, was – um well, yes, yeah, because like recruiting is nothing. So it's basically going to come down to AD searches and coaching searches. And so, you know, I think we broke the uh, uh, boo, boo Corrigan being hired. And, and, um, which is huge. I mean, to be able to break <laughs> something like that, but like I said, I mean, it comes along what once every, you know, I mean, I don't know when, if a football or basketball coach is getting, you know, if anything's changing anytime soon, but yeah, I mean, it's just that, that's that element of coverage is not really there anymore. So you've got to find a way to make your, Subscription value. I think Will mentioned the other one when he talked about forums. Man, I really try and do a good job of trying to create a community. You know, at our at our at Inside Pack Sports, um, you know, our forums are very active, um, and I'm active, and I think people respect that. You know, I say all the time on there, um, I'm here to, you know, I'm not going to just, I don't know if you can cuss on here, or not, I'm not going to kiss your ass. You know, I'm going to tell you how I feel, <laughs> and and some people think that just because they're the customer. You know, I got to agree with them, but I'm just not like that. You know, I think it's a debate forum. I think, you know, I think people respect that. I think people like the fact that I don't just tell them what they want to hear. I mean, and, and I think that interaction just creates a community. And I think it, when you create a community, people want to be at, they'll remain subscribed. They'll value your subscription outside of the content. I mean, I think it gets to a point where people just come for the forums. And, you know, I mean, I've seen, I've heard that at other forums and, and other places, there's just not a lot of, um, you know, interaction with the subscribers and and different things. And this is not NC State related. This is, you know, all types of colleges and forums and different things. So that's something that we've really kind of tried to, to take a lot of pride in is that, you know, me, myself, Steve Williams, Brian Carson, different guys that write for us, we all try to interact on our forum and just make sure we're involved in the community because I think that's a vital part of the subscription over there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, think, I um, you know, like recruiting rankings kind of like really don't matter to me anymore. I think early yeah. on, that was a big deal when we didn't have a lot of content. But it's really about what you guys bring and others do it, too. But it's it's the it's the camp breakdowns, you know, what you guys see in the summertime. That that insight is often more valuable, I think, because to me, I don't really rely on the national recruiting analysts. Like you you just know that they can't be out there seeing as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. So it adds a lot of value when, you know, you Steve and whomever is kind of breaking it down for us in the summertime and saying, this is who was at camp. This is how they look, giving us some comparisons. That to me is more valuable than being like, okay, well, Hey, on rivals, this is a three-star on 24 seven. He's a four-star. Like, I, I just don't care about that anymore.
3: Well, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how, how, and, and it's weird I'm saying this because I'm in that business, but that people take these recruiting rankings as gospel. And you're you, because your point's exactly right. I mean, and this is not a knock on any of the recruiting analysts. Those guys do a hell of a job, but it's just not possible. It's not physically possible that you take, for instance, 247. I think on 247, well, I think it's when I was there and it was Scout, when I was on Scout, they had, um, I want to say we had maybe seven recruiting analysts to cover the entire country. Okay. So these seven guys, I think it was covered the entire country and did the rankings. And we're supposed to believe they saw and scouted and watched and evaluated every single one of these kids. (laughs) And when that's not the case, you know, I'll go to the, I'll go to a Nike camp and there'll be, you know, these same analysts there. And what they do is their eyes tend to gravitate to the big name guy. Right. I mean, the guy that the Trevor Lawrence, the, you know, the, the guy that that they already knows a five star, but they got to watch him and validate it and things like that. Whereas these other kids are just going under, uh, you know, falling kind of by the wayside or not getting evaluated as much as much just because you don't have, you know, the, the time and the resources to evaluate them. You know, I, I think a good example for me is whenever every year we try to go down to the Shrine Bowl and um, I'll go down there normally and, and stay two nights. And um, watch a couple practices, and what that is is it's, it's when North Carolina plays South Carolina in a bowl game on a Saturday, and and each state's supposed to bring down some of the best players from the state. And generally, what you'll find is when I, at least for me, when I go down there, uh, I'll watch two days of practice, and there'll be maybe, maybe four guys, three, four, five guys that really just head and shoulders they stand out. You know, these four or five, you can tell who they are, and then if you, and then outside of those four or five if they don't have names on their helmets you wouldn't know who they are and i mean and you're talking guys who could be committed to state guys who could be committed to app guys who could be committed to clemson guys who could be committed to you know east carolina i mean they just they just blend all in and so if you really underst- you know kind of recognize that i think it gives you a different outlook on these recruiting rankings and then understand that a lot of times these guys are all just going to be very very similar and then it's just going to come down to how do they develop in your system, and how do you um, how do you actually target and evaluate the guys who fit what you do best?
2: Yeah, that, I mean that's a great point. I mean that, that's how you see like a Jalen Samuels. I don't think yeah. he was ever at trampled because I think he was at a private. Was he at no? He was at Mallard, right? right. That's public. Well, like Jalen. I mean that's that's how it guys like a fly out of the radar, right?
3: Yeah, I mean Jalen Samuels is a perfect example. I remember seeing him at NC State summer camp, and uh, I want to say he was. He was maybe 511, 228. I, don't know, I know these numbers off the top of my head. Ran a 5440. I don't know how I remember that, but but he did. And and NC State offered him. And um, you know, I think he committed either that day or a couple of days later. But he had offers from like ODU, uh, you know, Charlotte, whatever. Nothing big. NC State was his first his first P five um, offer. And and the problem with Jalen was at 5'11", 228, he was being recruited as a fullback. And you look at these spread teams, now no one plays fullbacks anymore. And so NC State, they said, well, we like him as a potential tight end. They just knew he was a really, really good football player from what he did at Mallard Creek. So they were just taking him, and they were going to worry about the position later. But I think his his recruitment got impacted by the fact that he didn't really have a defined position because no one's going out and targeting fullbacks anymore. I mean, how many teams even use a fullback anymore? And so I think that impacted his recruitment, and it it allowed him to kind of fall – through the cracks, he plays his senior year at Mallard Creek as a running back, puts up all kinds of numbers. And I think Wake maybe offered him later. But at that point, I mean, he was sold on NC State, was enrolling in you know, mid-year. And I mean, I think State State kind of found themselves a gem there just because they were really willing to take a chance on a really, really good player.
2: Yeah, that's. I, I'm going to pivot a little bit here. This is a little different, but I think you've talked about this before, James. You know, as a member of the media representing State, do you see a difference in the way the media for Clemson impacts events like ACC kickoff? Um, you know, like in particular, do you feel like the number of people that represent Clemson give it more of an, an advantage over other schools?
3: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, you go to these events and and I think Clemson has a lot more media coverage, especially in. Well, well first of all, I'll say I think it's sports related mm-hmm. because, you know, those same Clemson guys aren't at the ACC basketball kickoff for some reason. I, I don't know why that is, but but it just isn't happening, and it's kind of the same thing for football. You don't see all the Duke and, I mean, I don't know where all the Duke basketball writers go when football season's around, but they're not at the ACC football kickoff or or anything like that. Voting and 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 it's impacted by that, and you know I think part of that is um the the media coverage has just changed so much over the years. I mean, when you were when I remember when when I started, I I, I was going to Chuck Amato press conferences, and there'd probably be. I don't know, I mean, 12 to 15 media members there. And it would be, um, you know, I think we were there, Pack Pride. I was there with Pack Pack Pride at the time. The Wolfpacker was around. They had a guy there. um, And that was it from an internet standpoint. I mean, the rest were local newspapers. And now, I mean, you go to a press conference and you may have, what, two newspaper guys there? Mm -hmm. And, you know, three or four, um, uh, you know, three or four website guys. And that's it. I mean, so the media coverage has changed, and I think Clemson has so many of these little side media guys that that go and cover these events and vote for their guys that it really impacts that stuff. But you know, I mean, I think I think the cream kind of always rises to the top in that, and and you'll just you'll just kind of see see who it is. But you're right, it, it's it's definitely impacted sport to sport based on how many media members there. They tend to vote for their guys. I mean, I know you know. I've voted for NC State guys the last few years. I mean, and, and look, to be fair, I mean, I was trying to be unbiased. I mean, I voted for – I think I was the only guy, I want to say, three years ago that voted for Matt Days to be all ACC, and he ended up being all ACC. And, you know, um, I think it, it matters to have people there representing the teams you cover. But I do think maybe they should put a cap on it or something to where it's not getting, you know um, – um, you know, as biased as um, some of these uh, these polls get based on the, the amount of coverage.
0: Sort of played on that with the coverage. And I know it's been referenced a lot – or not a lot. It's been referenced before by – and I've only heard it maybe once or twice by recruits or some – but some folks have seemed to latch on to the idea that um, social media, specifically fans, how much weight does that carry in recruiting? And, and I ask that because there's a growing trend – that fans seem to push the idea that any non Homer NC State tweet, comment, email, smoke signal, or whatever gets used by other coaches. You know, in my opinion, when the reality is coaches lie all the time and it's easy as hell to fake screenshots. So, how much weight does that actually carry in recruiting, in your opinion?
3: Well, I think it matters. I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think coaches can create that content, whether it's there or not, but I think it doesn't change. The the fact that it that it matters. I mean, at the end of the day, we're dealing with 17, 18 year old impressionable kids and any single piece of information that you can give them that can possibly influence their decision. You're going to do it. And if you've got a screenshot of an NC State fan saying that they're that NC State's quarterback stinks, are you going to send that to a recruit? Maybe. (laughs) I mean, is that recruiting? Probably. Um, Will it impact them? I don't know. It could you know I, I get asked all the time i mean do i where do i think su- a such and such guy is going to go and i'm at the point man i've been doing it so long i just don't even know you know i mean you're dealing with you, you're you're dealing with 17 18 year old kids who you don't know what they're going to do until they sign uh their, their letter of intent you just don't know i mean they could wake up one day and and want to go somewhere else i mean i was looking at a kid i was reading online today um I think Carolina had a guy, Xavion uh, Capers, who NC State had recruited some. He's he's committed to Auburn. He visited Carolina this weekend for an official visit, and he was prior to being committed to Auburn, he was committed to Arkansas. Like I think in June, <laughs> so he's he's flipped from Arkansas in June to Auburn over the summer to now he's visiting Carolina. And and hell, I mean, I think all three of those schools are are wondering: it, are it, will either of them sign him by December? I mean, it just changes so much with these kids. But but you're, but I think your point. I think it's it's one thing. I mean, social media has given fans an outlet, right or wrong. I mean, it, right. that's what it is, and and I don't blame them for using it. I mean, everybody's free to have their own opinions, um, but but I think it's only right that you're going to see schools use. And I think, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying I think only schools use it against NC State. I would imagine states doing it as well for various schools. I mean, I think that's recruiting, right? Um, but it doesn't mean that that fans shouldn't be allowed to have their opinions. I mean, I don't have a problem. I, I, I put a post up on our forum today. I mean, there was a discussion about it. You know, I don't really have a problem with a fan having a negative view on something. My problem is right. when you're a fan and you only seem to have negative views, right? Like mm-hmm. where are you when the positive things go? It's that, Oh, that's the week you're on, you're working. <laughs> you know, that's the week I'm, you know, I'm on vacation is, you know, the week you beat Clemson or whatever, you know, you win this game, you know, I'm, I'm not around that week, but the moment you lose, you're, you are here posting 15, 20 times. Like, those are the guys that I tend to have an issue with.
0: Yeah, I think every fan base has those. And you know, I think there's a small percentage of fans for every school that right. are, know, I'm going to use air quotes, the lunatic fringe. Yeah, no doubt. I don't – yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I just just move on past it, right? I don't need to engage with those people. I don't know why people always point them out or do these things. It's just – I I think it's beyond, you know, our control.
3: Yeah. I mean, I I think they're, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where you just got to understand that, that some people are, are going, I don't want to say, I mean, some people just like being, I don't know what's going on in the rest of their life. You know, I I, I give you, <laughs> an, I, I, I'm serious. I mean, i give you another example. I, I have a, I have three or four guys I went to, um, I went to college with and one of them, um, he has a, a text chain in his family that goes around, so it's like three or four of his I think two of his two of his his, his nephews and then a uh, brother-in-law, they text back and forth. And he tells me like clockwork, he's like, anytime NC state's winning, the text doesn't even exist. Like literally every game, no one's ever texting. The moment state starts losing, these three guys start texting him complaining about stuff. And he's just like, really I mean this is, this is it. What? just only when we, only when we're losing you're, you're coming around. And it's and he really believes they just enjoy losing for some odd reason. They're happier when state loses, and I, it doesn't mean they're not a fan. I don't think they're they're not because these guys went to state, graduated, but it's like I, I don't know. Maybe it's just they they've they feel like state's lost quote unquote so much that they they can only be prepared for lose. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but but it exists out there, and and I don't know. I mean, like I said, I mean, I don't know if there's something else going on that makes them. Feel that way, but but it it can't be fun that you're only happy when the team you follow loses. <laughs> that just doesn't sound well, smart to me. But
0: I'll tell you what it is: it's the '80s and the '90s happened to yeah. to state fans. It, almost everybody who fits that sort of description was a state fan in that range, right? Right? It was poor leadership, poor showings, just things kept piling on to us, and that's just what they know. And you know, Debbie Al brought it up. Almost in one of her first press conferences, is like, you've got to change that mentality. And I, you know, I, I think that was one of the smartest things she's ever done, you know, refuse to accept the status quo, or that's how she summarized it. But it, what she was saying is, stop doing that, stop, you know, feeding into that. And I think it's helped a lot. There's like, there's still that if you went to school in the 90s, I mean, there's you're lost. There's no hope for that generation of state fans. I, I really believe that. They're they're gone for the most part.
3: Yeah, and, and I mean I was there in the late I was there in the late nineties and I mean it yeah. it, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't me pretty too. <laughs> I mean it definitely wasn't. I mean, you know, early yeah. herb, um, you know, late o'cane, I mean it wasn't it wasn't pretty, but but I think um and, and it's crazy, man, when I think back to that time. I was at NC State in ninety eight mm-hmm. and to think that you were only fifteen years removed from a national championship at basketball is mind boggling to me. Right. Right now. That we were that you know you were we were that close to that type of of an accomplishment, but yeah, I I just I I think that that fans are you know I don't I mean just been so beaten down maybe that that, that's um, what it is that they can't they yeah they can't get past it and but but I don't think you just I think you just got to yeah it it is what it is I mean you got to hope you can find a way to to break through, Uh, but I guess my problem with it though is I, I see oftentimes you know people quote the. The uh, any, these same types of fans, they'll say, "Well, we haven't won want any championship in this in thirty years. All I want's one." And I really wonder. I want to ask. them, like, really? <laughs> like all you wants one? Like, like, like so? So do I really believe that you're not going to be that same person saying, "Well, we've only won one you know, football <laughs> championship in thirty five years. What about basketball? No, it's in not only going to be one. Right, right. It's going to yeah. be an asterisk attached to it. You know, a month in a year or something. Yeah." But I, I don't know, man. I think, I think you're right, Evan. I think every fan base has these types of fans. I just see it more obviously because I cover I cover NC State.
2: Well, you know, the good thing is, is most of the time it's the other more positive fans interacting with these guys. Uh, we were curious. do you ever interview the recruits and and do they ever say that they like interacting with the fans on social media?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it plays a big role, man. I really do. Um, I think they you know recruits love the attention. Um, I think that's one of the big reasons you've seen them kind of take and put their own their recruitment into their own hands. By, you know, I'm sitting here and seeing kids that are that are rising juniors announce top twenties, and um, for some reason, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just it's just that, and that's what it is. I mean, it's an attention grab, it really is, and and they 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 like it, and that's why I, th- I answered your question the other way, Evan. As I think it does matter, you know, I think it does impact them because um. They they follow it. I mean, they're they're seeing who likes their tweets. I mean, you know, you go and you go and see uh a, a kid put up his top five. I, I I'm sitting here imagining this kid going through and seeing which college's fan base is is liking it the most. Okay, well and and maybe in their own mind they think that means that college wants them more. I don't know. But but I do think it I do think it matters. I mean I've had recruits tell me, you know, they like the love they're getting on Twitter from NC State fans or or, or different things like that. Um, but, but honestly, you know, me and Steve, Steve, uh, Steve covers football recruiting for me at Inside Pack Sports. We were talking about this a while back. I mean, for the most part, and you know, you hate to to put all these guys in a, in a certain category, but it seems like a lot of these kids who are very, very active on Twitter in that regard, they generally don't pan out. Um, and I mean, pan out relative to the expectations for them. Mm-hmm. And 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 I don't know if that's a a character flaw. I don't know if that's just something, you know. Um, I I don't know. It just seems like these kids that are all into Twitter and and Instagram and trying to get a ton of attention and 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 putting out their top seventeen. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't end up working out well for you for them at that at at the next level. And I'm sure some do, but but I just wonder. I mean, I wonder if there's something there to it to where. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is, and you know, I, I think, I think, um, I think, Will, you mentioned some of the, uh, some of the guys early on at NC State that have succeeded that weren't highly ranked kids, and yep. I think a lot of that's because these guys that these guys come in with different types of chips on their shoulder, right? You know, I mean, Jalen Samuels is playing; he he's coming to NC State with a different mindset than Darian Roseboro, right? I mean, it, it's just the it's just the approach and. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's why I tend to over the years – I mean, I'm, I am really want to – I've been telling myself the last few months I was going to sit down and do this article, but I want to go back over to, like, the last 15 years or so and just look at all the four-star rec- four recruits NC State signed in football at four stars or higher, four or five stars, and just see who actually panned out. Because I think it's going to be shocking at how few of them panned out, um, right or wrong.
0: Well, counter to that, I – would say if that were the case, then Tom O'Brien would be the greatest well, developer of talent in
3: the history of football. In, well, I
0: mean, in some ways I do know, well, know, I think to
3: you know, for as much as, I mean, look, I'm not, I wasn't huge on Tom and his Russell decision and all those things. <laughs> oh I mean, you God. guys know what I'm going to go down bring, that route, but, but <laughs> right. But, but look, I mean, Tom was a win at Maryland away from winning a division title.
0: I know. You know, yeah. with
3: his guys, I mean, and, yeah, uh, you, you know, if you you if if Dave gets to that point, I mean, well, I guess maybe he was a, a couple years back with Clemson winning that game, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's different ways you can do it. Well, right.
0: Yeah, what I was where I was getting with that is that I think it's not necessarily the social media guys who like that spotlight. I think it's just the fact that most of these guys don't pan out, and that's the hard reality to it. That I I, I think people don't appreciate the most is that Mm -hmm. you have to be really, really good to identify talent because it's, you know, you're lucky to get half of your class to get real production out of. And I I think we'll, we'll get into that a little bit farther down, but I just think it's a numbers game at some point.
3: Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, and, and, and I, I think for me, I generally try and say, I don't know between I want to say I was told between 50 to 70% of your class become contributors schools generally consider it a really good class um wow and and that's now again that's 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 relative to to where you're at and the types of kids you can bring in and the types of attrition historically you deal with I mean cuz for instance that might be different at a place like Wake or Duke who generally keep the majority of their guys in um like I think Duke's got an unreal um success rate in terms of of recruiting players and and actually graduating all those guys how which is it's weird to me um you know but but that that that's something they've been able to do, whereas at some places you just generally because of of academic restraints, like I know for years at n c state i mean they've had to take courses academically that some of these other schools haven't had to, and it's led to kids having you know not being academically eligible and so you're losing. Three, four, five uh, guys a year just to academics, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of on par with your student rate. It's it's amazing to me. You know, you look at a place like Clemson where their student graduate uh, graduation weight is uh sixty three percent, I believe it was, and their football rate's ninety eight percent. That's that, that's <laughs> that's a topic that I think should be discussed <laughs> by somebody. But hey, um, it, it, it's working there. I, I don't know how that's happening, but yeah, I mean, I think that's something that. That you deal with is attrition, and and then on top of the attrition, the guys you keep, do you develop them? Do you coach them up? And so, yeah, um,
2: do you kind of following up uh, on the uh, I, I Evans. Like, I can hear him furiously changing our questions. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> do uh, so. This is kind of an off ball question, but do like recruits' parents ever relay any info to you, like a you know, to get to the coaches, like? you know, are, are you ever dealing with a recruit and like their dad calls up and it's like, Hey, you know, school X over here is doing this. Can you kind of let the staff know? Cause like, it's working with my, you know, my son, like, do you, do you have like kind of that kind of feedback with parents or is it kind of, you know, do they kind of stay out of it?
3: No, um, I've, I've been sent stuff like that before in the past, but I've always told them, you know, I'm not a bridge um, between, between, you know, the parents and the coaches, I just don't get involved. I mean, I think that's not, you know, I mean, we all want to make enough money, but I don't make coaching money. And so <laughs> if I don't make coaching money, I'm not helping any coaches land any kids. I mean, that's not a part of my job description. So I'm staying out of it. And I tell them that, Hey, you know, if you want to relay something to coach X or, or whoever, you know, shoot them a message yourself. I mean, I, and I obviously in a polite way, but you get what I'm saying. Like I just, yeah, I, I you know, I just feel like as a, as a, as a, part of the media, I can't, I can't involved in it to that degree of, um, of, you know, being kind of a go between, but, but honestly, I believe it happens at some places. I really do. Um, I think there was an art, I think at one of these schools, I can't remember who it was a few years back, it it came out that 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 was happening that a a school was using one of these recruiting guys to, um, to get information from parents and, and coaches and to pass information on and different things like that. I can't remember which school it was. But yeah, that's something that I that I don't do just because I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, it's just not that's not a part of um, of 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 what I'm supposed to be doing, really.
0: Well, moving into getting getting away from a little bit of the inside baseball, I want to ask you some questions about the the program. I'm
3: gonna first of all, do you watch the the one the coaches show Wolfpack one? I do not, but I actually it's funny you mentioned that I watched the first one I ever watched today. Um, I watched the one, on, um, the one they just put out this morning. But that was the first one I've ever watched. Man, it was really good. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and watch some of them. But um, I ha I, I normally don't watch them. Uh, but I did watch the one for this week. Uh, with with uh, I think Gunter, Jeffrey Gunter was on.
0: Okay. Well, the the reason I asked you is I'm gonna play you this clip. It's about two minutes. It's okay. from the previous week. It's from the the Boston College game. And I'm going to play this for you.
1: Cruises into the end zone. Lock goes to zero. Final score Boston College 45, NC State 24. Give me your eyes. I'm not talking to guys that are looking down. We got our ass kicked. Look at me. Is that us? No, sir. We got a lot of football left, man. I don't know what it is about playing on the road versus playing at home, and we're different. We got out fundamental, out technique, and out tough. That's reality. We got a lot of work to do. We're at the midway point. Look at me, look at me. We got five games in a month. I'm giving you time to rest and recover, and I need everybody to fight. If you don't want to fight, just come see me tomorrow. You can go. If you want to fight, I need you all in with me. Everybody understand that? Because yes, I don't want guys pouting, complaining, and saying this, saying that. One game at a time. Where are we going to end up? Because this team could win nine games still, or this team could win four. That's where we're at. you got to make a decision. I'm standing on the sideline, and I'm watching us play high. I'm watching us run around the block. I'm watching us tackle like we don't want to play instead of playing with our heart. And let's get back to being us. And if you wanna fix it, then help us fix it. But I'm gonna tell you what won't, is pointing fingers and blaming others. Everybody owns that. Everybody, start with me. I don't care how many guys are out for the year, I really don't. I believe in you guys, man. Do you believe in you? Yes sir. Then so why do you play like that? And if I can get the team back that I know I got, We're
3: going to be fine. What's your reaction to that? I think he's coaching, right? Um, You know, I mean, I think that's what you probably wanted to hear uh, after watching that game. I mean, I think some of the stuff he mentioned I saw, I I don't necessarily know. Um, I know for me it was defensively for sure. I mean, I I just don't know if the defense just, I don't want to say quits the right word, but it reaches a point where your offense needs to help you out. And, um, you know, that doesn't excuse it. It, 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 but but yeah, I mean I think he's I think he's coaching those guys up. I think he believes he can he can I mean there's winnable games left on the schedule for that team. Mm-hmm. And that's probably for him, I think, the most frustrating part. When you look at this, I mean you're 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 about to go play a six and one Wake Forest team ranked twenty third in the country who what, have they beat anybody by more than five points? That that's that's uh, not Elon or Rice? right i don't think i mean that's how's that not a winnable game if you're nc state i mean you should be upset that you're an eight point underdog going on the road to play that game and so i think he's saying that if you can just compete um you got a shot to win these games so i i think he's i think he's doing what he's supposed to be doing
0: yeah i think that was one of the rare looks at raw emotion from dave Dorn. i mean i think he's very mm-hmm. controlled when he talks to you guys and to the public but right there man i, I watched that the first time i was like oh that's that's legit man because you could tell he's frustrated and you know people would have you believe that he doesn't know what he's doing at times <laughs> but I, I you know you know what i mean like it's, it's that percentage it rough. is, yeah.
3: No, I just think it's hilarious, man. It's like it's like these 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 guys on you know our message boards or on Twitter know more than than Dave Dorn or Dave Huxtable. Well, okay. I, I mean, you, you know, Dave Huxtable's been coaching basketball, coaching football for thirty something <laughs> years, and and you know, Joe John X three thirty two at whatever knows knows more than yeah. him. Okay, yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, but but you're right. I, I think what I but but what I wanted to say back was in being around Dave at a lot of these um, camps, recruiting camps, and then obviously just kind of, you know, interaction, you know, away from, from, um, from the, the standard sit down press conference. I mean, he, he's an emotional guy. I mean, he, he, he is fiery. He's competitive as hell. Um, I, I think he is, you know, he is the opposite of what the general fan wants to think. But, but look, I mean, is, is Bill Belichick, is he not come off as boring? <laughs> but but he's, I'm pretty sure he's competitive as hell, yeah. right? So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily want my football guy running around dancing for me.
2: Yeah, I think I a lot me. of it is just that the fans just don't get to see it very often. And mm-hmm. like with Bill Belichick, you can kind of rest assured because you got all those championships, right? Sure, right. And, you know – it, it's it's not fair to judge Dave on that I think because frankly he was starting at a level that was probably uh, fewer less talent than people realized I think when he took over and every time he's had an opportunity you know you're talking about having an opportunity against teams that have won like 10 or more games a year no one else has beaten those teams either so right,
0: we'll, we'll get to that
2: mm-hmm. we'll get to that uh, let me um I
0: Well, you know, the reason I I played that is I think it was interesting, you know, and Debbie was very good at being, um, at connecting with fans like that and just saying, hey, you know, she was, you could see that fight in her. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily see that in Dave, but that's definitely, you know, everything you hear from a recruit is like, hey, I love, you know, I love Dave Dorn. He's, he's fun. He's, you know, he's a lot of personality, but people don't see that side of him, man. And I, and I like to every time I catch one of these, I want to play it because I think that's important for people to understand that he's not the same guy that you see in that press conference giving you the one line answers and, and that. I mean, he's he cares, man. He wants to win as as much as the rest of us. So,
3: yeah, and and honestly, like I tell people now, um, I think Doran is the right job for the right guy for NC state. I really do. He's a great evaluator of talent. Um, His staff is a really good evaluator. They they do a great job evaluating talent. They find guys that fit their system. I mean, this is not going to be a place in my opinion, that's going to be churning out top five, top 10 pro uh, top 10 recruiting classes. I know Clemson is, is quote unquote comparable, but Clemson is doing stuff from a resource standpoint that NC state's just not doing right now um, to, to get them to that level. But he checks a lot of boxes, and, and I'm just concerned for NC State that, you know, if he has another big year, um, th- does he look to leave? And, and I know some people may not care. I mean, some people think he's probably shouldn't be here anyways, whatever. But I think he's done a really good job. And, you know, case in point, I, if you guys remember the first three or four years he was at NC State, he was kind of every game banging that drum on third quarter pass outs and all that stuff. We need everybody here even mention it anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, he he basically is just like, yeah, we we had a great fan base. But has he even mentioned that no one's coming back? No. And, and but but look, he trust me, this is a guy who is at Wisconsin and in the Big Ten where, you know, Big Ten right or wrong. I mean you're up in, you know, I mean those places up there don't have a ton else to do but football. Right. I mean it's it's it's, it's easier when you're when you're to, to sell those places out in my opinion and, and keep the crowd in there like that. But he's been around those atmospheres. And so I just wonder if things like that, um, it, you know, if those when if the time comes, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I just think that you know, I tell people all the time, man, be careful what you wish for, um, because it can, you know, obviously it can be. You you want better, but it could get a hell of a lot worse. It really can.
0: Yeah, I think we've been there. I think we've all seen we've seen that. Um, something we've talked about before a lot, especially on this podcast, is and I, but I want to get your thought on it. What is the identity of the NC State offense? Not necessarily this year, but in general.
3: Um, I mean, I think they're a team that wants to be balanced. They want to be physical. Um, they want to ball control you. Um, you know when i look at when i look at this team well okay when i look at this offense i mean first of all it's hard because i tell people all the time they they ask me what's the what's the most important thing when it comes to recruiting and for me it all boils down to one thing you better get a quarterback mm-hmm. okay i don't care if you got to recruit 25 of them you better have one that's really really good because if you don't have a good quarterback you're not going to be good you're just not um, and you can go and look across a lot of these places. If they don't have a good quarterback, they struggle. LSU, if they can't throw football, coaches get fired, right? And so if you're NC State, you got to have a quarterback. And you look at Dave's tenure here, first year, quarterback issues, struggled. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett, two years. Ryan Finley, three years, pretty good. Got to a point where you were really good once the rest of your position's rounded out. Now you're back in a situation where you're struggling trying to settle on a quarterback. Where are you at? Four and three people wondering if you're going to make a bowl this year. So, I mean, I think they got to have a quarterback. I think all that ties into the offensive identity. It's hard to have an offensive identity right now if you don't have a quarterback. I think if you look back to the first five years or the the previous years up to now, I mean, with Jacoby Brissett, they were more of a um, running football team. I think that was one of the reasons he chose to go in a different direction with Matt Canada. Matt didn't really show he could develop Brissett the way he needed to. I mean, look at what Jacoby's doing now and the fact that he was never all ACC. Is mind boggling to me. Um, <laughs> Who I mean, wanted- think about that for a second. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he wasn't any team. I'm not even yeah. talking first team. I mean, he didn't even make, he might have made honorable mention. I don't think he made honorable mention. I mean, I remember people debating with me back then, trying to tell me Marquise Williams was a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. No, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. And it, But it's all stats and whatever, you know, the way you can get dressed up. Credit Carolina. They made Mark Marquise look really good. And then he, he got to where he had to be good and, you know, got exposed. And so I think that was an issue with State early on was offensively they couldn't establish, you know, from a scheme standpoint, a passing attack. I thought under Finley, though, the last three years, I mean, that was really their identity to me. I mean, people want to say that Dave plays conservative, but I think last year I want to say they led the ACC in pass attempts. I think through um, through seven games this year, I believe they're second in the ACC in pass attempts per game for you know for a program that people say is conservative. And I think right. they've been a team that they they'll throw the football, they'll do it, they'll do what they need to do offensively. But you're right; I don't know the identity of this team. And I think a lot of that's because we don't know who the quarterback is right now.
2: That's a good yeah. point that you just made because we talked about it before, Evan. Right? That this offense kind of seems like it's like a it, it takes what the defense gives you. Kind of similar to the way the bend don't break, you know, kind of defense works, right? Do you do you get that sense, James? That like they they just try to be efficient.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, I, for me, what it was with Finley, and and this kind of goes back to I think what Doran wants his identity of a team to be. If you look at the last two years, they were really a team that offensively was ultra They they've been ultra aggressive in the first half of games, and I mean they 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 throw it a lot. They try and build a lead because. When they go into halftime with the lead, in the second half they tend to throttle it back and and play more defense and and run the ball more, try to run the game away, and and I think um, you know that's been tougher this year to do on a more consistent level because you've not been as a, as efficient offensively, but you know that was one of the reasons why I know early in the season I wasn't really big on just using second half stats. I think me and Evan talked about that because just I don't think under Doran. I mean, this is a team. I mean, I think the last two years, they're 13 and one now when leading at halftime. And they are, I want to say, what's that, 0 and six when trailing at halftime. Mm -hmm. And so it's a clear point of emphasis for them to be leading at halftime. And if you go and look at their splits, they've been a team that has historically thrown the ball a lot more in the first half, trying to build that lead. And then in the second half, when they're up two touchdowns or whatever, they just run the football out. I mean, you look at Syracuse. I mean, state was up 16 three going into the fourth quarter. I mean they they only threw the ball I think what two times in the fourth quarter and so people say well they weren't a, they weren't productive offensively in the fourth quarter well yeah they didn't try to be you know but I think that's their ultimate game plan I think for them if they if they could write out a script on how they want to play they want to be in a position of playing defense in the second half versus having to play offense and uh, I think that might go back to their identity but it, but again it's just tough when you can't get that consistent production at quarterback. I think everybody hopes you can start to maybe see that now from Leary.
0: Yeah, you know, I think the concern that fans have is that when you play that way, you get games like that Wake Forest game last year. Or you get some other games where, you know, and I think it was maybe Michael Kane or even Chuck, one of them used to fall into that pre defense and then you just get beat. And I think you kind of saw that last year. You're beating the piss out of Wake Forest and then yeah. just – let them come back because you you get away from what you're you're doing well and getting into this, and that's where the conservative mantra comes from. I think that's the frustration people have, right? Uh, but I, I understand why he plays that way. But I, that's where that's
3: you know our side of it. Yeah, and I, and I think that if, if I would I would I would think they would change it up if he if it happens more frequently, you know what I'm saying? But I think right. Wake's the clear outlier. I think there was a stat I saw where Wake is I think the only game NC State's lost under Doran – Maybe they've led by a touchdown or more in the fourth quarter or something like in seven years,
2: mm-hmm. um,
3: and and so I just think that weight game was complete. Like may never happen again under Dorn. Like, right. You know, you go back and think about how that game played out. I mean, you have a fourth and three, you throw to CJ Riley with five minutes left. He drops it on the sideline. Where if he catches that, you probably score. Yeah, and then you get and then you get the ball back with a fourth and five. Where if you convert it with, I think, a minute and a half left, the game's over. I mean, Wake was out of timeouts. I mean, and and Thayer Thomas doesn't catch the pass. And so, I mean – oh, well, he got guys. clocked. Yeah. Oh. yeah, he was hit I mean, let's talk about right, it. Right, right, drop it. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I mean, however it doesn't happen, they don't execute it. It doesn't happen. But if he simply makes that catch, no one talks about Wake again. Yeah. That game. No one talks about that game. No one talks about not being able to beat Wake. You would have now beat Wake four out of five times the last – you know, four out of the last five years. No one would say you can't ever beat Wake Forest. But State had – Every opportunity had multiple opportunities to win that game, even playing that way. And they just weren't able to get it done. But I think, you know, if you are Dave and you tell him, well, look, over the last two years at halftime, you're up, you know, you're 13 and 1 when you're leading, he's gonna continue to do what he's doing, you know, if he can do that, because I mean I think he probably feels it's 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 the way they can, they can be successful.
0: Yeah, you know, I think with the offense, Dave hasn't had all the pieces he wants at the same time. Mm-hmm. And what I say about that is like he had Finley and Myers and Harmon, but you are you had Gillespie, and, and don't take it away from Gillaspie, but he's not the back. He's not that dynamic breakaway back, right? He's not that game changer. You, you lost Hines and Jay Sam, right? And this year you have some of those backs, but you don't have the QB or you don't have the experience offensive line. And so I think he hasn't had all those pieces line up. I mean, if Hines stays at Stays. Yep. That offense is drastically different, and I think you see the actual offense that Dave Dorn wants to run. I just don't think he has. He's had the pieces line up like he wants to be. H- Hines is the big
3: one to me because I think if you would have asked NC yeah. State going into that twenty, uh, what was that twenty seventeen season? Yeah, they wouldn't have thought he was he was going to be all ACC. I think they fully yeah. expected that to be a timeshare, to where you know he's back as a senior. And then if you've got him back next year or this past year, I mean, you you win 10 games with Naheem Hines. I mean, he's a, yeah. I mean, what do you, yep. you ask anybody, what was the problem with last year's team? I mean, they had no they didn't have an explosive playmaker. Yeah. They didn't have a guy who could hit you a home. I mean, you look at, back at that 17 season. BC, you know, he breaks off a 50-yard run with six minutes to go to win the game. Mm-hmm. North Carolina, those two big, long touchdown runs to win that game. Pitt, he had the kickoff return for a touchdown. He had a 90-yard touchdown run in that game. I and mean, he gave you huge plays. And I think that's where I want everybody to, to be patient with this team because all of those guys are young right now. And, you know, yeah. if you look at NC State's offense, I was looking at the depth chart today. I put a tweet up. I mean, they've got two seniors on the two deep offensively, and neither of them are starters. So you're bringing all those guys back outside of Tabari Hines and Emmanuel McGirt. That's not to mention you're, you're, that's not, you're also getting back C.J. Riley. You're getting back Dylan Altwreath. You're getting back Justin Witt. Your offense is going to be light years better next year. And then you look at the running backs, you know, last three years, I think in 16, 17, and 18, NC State's had an all-ACC running back. Well, Matt Days was a senior. Naheem Hines was a junior. Reggie Gillaspie was a senior. Mm -hmm. And, And you tell me, what did all three of those guys do as freshmen? They didn't do anything. Yeah, not that. I mean, Matt Days was a third stringer as a freshman. Naheem was playing receiver. Reggie couldn't get on the field. And now you're having to start and play two true freshmen every week? It's just not ideal. But I think your hope is in two years, Zonovan Knight, Jordan Houston are going to be really, really good. Um, and that's kind of why I think states wanting, like, and when I mean state, I think their coaching staff wants everybody to just stay patient. And remember, in 2016, you barely got the six wins in 2016, but the payoff you got in 17 and 18. And I think their hope is the payoff is going to be in 20 and 21 with this team.
0: Yeah, I will say so there's going to be a lot they they better win in those years and not saying that's like hot seat but i think that you know if he's putting all his chips on that table you know he hopes his number comes up that year i think that's um you know that's going to be the mentality
3: well let me ask you all this what do y'all think is um what do you when you say he he needs to win what do you mean like in in terms of how many games
0: well so that's the tricky thing man like right. I, I think fans including myself are sometimes have unrealistic expectations. And I, I know that's like a no shit, you know, statement, right. but you know you we look at the opportunities in front of us, or even if you look back at the opportunities, you're like, man, they should have won 10 games last year. They should have won 10 games the year before that. Right. And then, you know, you look at this year and I think the frustration is not necessarily the product in the field. But the frustration is the rest of the league is hot garbage, and you think like this is another missed opportunity because you could been you could be you could take this because these guys aren't that good. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think state should look to have a floor of eight wins, right? I think that's probably a realistic goal.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's not there yet, but eight wins, you know, occasionally get to ten, you know, have a shot at beating Clemson. I mean, I think that's a realistic goal for this program. I don't think they're there yet, but I think that's where they should be. So when I say win, like I want you to win more than eight and I want you to be competitive for, you know, something of meaning.
3: Right.
2: Yeah. I think you want to also just see them not lose games that we think they should win. You know, like going into the BC game, we at least thought they would be competitive. Uh, You know, it's tough being there on the road, but. To see us get throttled like that, I think that really is disheartening to fans. But like for me, I'm always in like the seven to nine range, you know, especially this year, right? I mean, what Vegas had us at what, like seven, right. seven, seven and, and a half, half. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: And that's that's pre all these. I mean, I think injuries matter. I mean, I, I you know, we, we we do a prediction podcast on our podcast every year, and I tell Rob when he asks me, I just say, man, you know, take a number, and if you have a bunch of injuries, it's going to be below it. And if you have if – you, if you can stay healthy, I'm going to be wrong and it will be more wins. And, you know, I was reading an article on Wake Forest this, this week uh, getting ready for this game, and I think they said that – I think the article basically was talking about how they've, they've just had two injuries for really the first time this year. I mean, they've really had to battle injuries, and it's been two, and they're 6-1, and one, right? And, mm. and you look at State, I mean, we already knew this was not going to be an experienced team, but when you, you don't have Nick McLeod since the ECU game, I mean, I had Nick McLeod as maybe their, you know, I mean, he could have been their best defensive player in my opinion this year, yeah. um, with just the role he would have had to play, and he hadn't played since East Carolina, um, and and so, you know, I, I do think the one of the things I always think is interesting is is for me it always comes down to like I just think it's hard winning, especially on the road, yeah, and I think maybe part of that's just the uh, the objective nature to me. I know, like Will, you made a you made a statement a minute ago about um. Winning the games that you think they should win and you want to win those games. Mm-hmm. And I just even think that's hard, right? You know, because it's like, I mean, we want to see, I mean, t- like if, if and I use this example a lot, but Clemson in 2016, I mean, they almost lose the state. They win that game in overtime and then they lose the pit at home. I mean, both of those games, they were 20 plus point favorites. Lose one of them, go to overtime in another And then the next year, you lose at Syracuse as a twenty point, or you you lose versus yeah at Syracuse as a twenty plus point favorite. And I mean, again, those are just isolated games. But if Clemson can do it as a twenty plus point favorite, then damn, State can lose the weight. I mean, it it can it can just. And I'm not saying your point's wrong because I think to get to the next step, what you're probably what I think you probably mean, I agree with you is you need to win almost all of them, right? I mean, literally every one, but almost all of them. And I do think that's kind of where state has tried to trend to. I mean, if you go and look at the last two years, I mean, prior to this season, I think every loss has been to a team that's went to a bowl. um, If I remember correctly in 17, 18, I think every loss, I want to say outside of maybe last year's weight team that won seven games. I think every team had won either eight or more games. So you're generally losing to just really good teams. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I want the program to get to is you don't have any of the horrible, horrible losses, and you're generally just losing to the Clemsons. The, you know Even Syracuse last year, they pop off a 10-win season. Fine. You lose that Syracuse by a touchdown, okay. But that's where I think you need to get to.
0: Yeah, I don't think the program's at a place where – and I guess this is part of the frustration with the, the not winning part. Is You see that BC game and you see that West Virginia game and they just looked disconnected or, you know, just not there. And I think that's the frust- frustrating part from a fans. If you go up there and you play hard, you lose and you're like, all right, you lose, you know, maybe there's something else to point to. But when you get just your ass kicked because you look disinterested for three quarters of that game, then, you know, that's, You know, maybe that's just perception because it was closer than, you you know,
3: the final score, but that's just how it felt, right? Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I mean, I think that's the concern. You know, I told our guys kind of, I think it was after the West Virginia game, I said that I I was worried that this was going to be a season for NC State where they just were not going to have it on the road, but at home, they'd be really, really competitive. Yeah.
2: Do you think that's because of, you know, like you said earlier, there's not that many seniors on the team. And you look at West Virginia and BC in particular, right? You don't have James Smith Williams. You don't have Val Martin. You don't have uh, Nick McLeod, right? I mean, it seems like the guys just kind of don't know what to do without those guys.
3: Well, I I think it matters. You know, I think um, when you go on the road, you want to lean on your seniors. You look at like, for instance, you go look at the Florida State game. I mean, Larell Murchison gives you a hell of a performance, right? I mean, he's your senior guy you get that type of a performance and your offense just can't give you anything, you know? And then the other problem with this team is I kind of talked about it earlier. I mean, they can't fall behind in games. Uh, you know, obviously I thought against West Virginia, you know, they were up 21, there was a 21, 21 game at halftime. They had a shot at that one. Um, couldn't do anything offensively in the second half defense gave up a little bit, um, you know, but then at FSU, I mean, you just can't do anything offensively. So, uh, you know, your defense kind of just get, you know, I don't want to say quits, but it's just like it reaches a point where it breaks. I mean, and I think against Boston College, I mean, that first quarter against Boston College for me was probably the most disappointing quarter I can remember for NC State football in a long time. I mean, really, because I just felt like BC was so beatable that game. And your defense comes out, in the first four drives, BC has the ball, they get no points off defensively. And I had talked all week about how all you need to do against BC playing a walk-on quarterback is just get a lead. Just get a lead to where they can't run the football. I mean, put pressure on them to have to chase points. And right. instead, not only do you, do you not score offensively, you throw a pick six, and you give them a seven-point lead. When they're not doing anything offensively, and next thing you know you're down 10-3, Uh, I think that it was 10-3. Isaiah Moore misses the tackle. They break a long run for a touchdown. And now they're up two scores. They can do whatever the hell they want to do. You know, I mean, you're not doing anything yet offensively. Their quarterback doesn't even have to make a play. I mean, he didn't have to make a play that whole game. And and that's the position you didn't want to be in going up there. And that's what was frustrating to me about Boston College. It wasn't necessarily that State quit. It was that they couldn't do anything at the start of that game.
0: Yeah, yeah. They just looked – I don't know, disconnected, man. It, the, the only play that BC quarterback had to make, he made that 10-yard scramble when okay. they were backed up on the goal line. And I would, I don't throw remotes anymore, but, man, I really want to throw my
3: remote. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I mean, and, and hell, even that plays are a lot easier to make when you're up 24-3, right? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, absolutely. Just run for it. I, who, what else do I have to lose? I mean, he doesn't even have to throw it there. They probably are telling them on the sideline, look, man, don't take a safety. Just run if there's nothing there as opposed to feeling right. pressure to have to make a play. And that's why I think it's so important that state, this team in particular, is is able to build a lead because when you have quarterback issues and youth issues and all these different things, you don't want to be chasing points. You just don't want to be in that yeah. position. And and um I do think though they found something in Leary. I really do watching that game back. I mean, I think he he has a chance to to really uh, I think, turn things around for NC State this year offensively because of um, his ability to throw football.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, what, something we typically do is we ask the fans what they want to talk about, right, because otherwise I can ramble for a long time. So I'm going to give you some of the questions. I'm going to let you answer some of these as uh, a fill-in for us. So Wolfblood asks us, you find <laughs> – this is my favorite question, maybe of all time. You find a Wolfpack Genie lamp and rub it. With a Wolfpack Genie comes out. And grants you one wish. Now the wish can only be used for this year's football team, and it can only be for one thing you can improve during the bye week. What is it?
3: So it's one improvement during this particular bye week. Well, it's for the last one, but yeah, for this okay. one. Okay, I got you. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got you. Um, uh, I would say, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big injury guy. Like, so I think if you could tell me I could that that NC State could get back uh um uh Nick McLeod for the rest of the year I, that would be my change right i mean i think they need back i mean they're I mean you you're down to your fourth and i mean well your fifth corner and a converted safety at corner right now and you're about to be playing Wake Forest and Clemson that's not good yeah i mean you know that's that's a, that's a concern and and i thought McLeod was the guy who when healthy, I felt like could be a, a shutdown. I mean, he he's a guy who can shut down as, as a corner. I mean, you can move him all around. He can play in a slot. He can play outside. He can play either side. Um, I, I think they missed that versatility he gave them defensively. and that to Not only have, have him out, but also Chris Ingram. I mean, if you could get Nick McLeod back, that would be the one change I would make.
0: Yeah, I think that's. That's interesting because most people are looking at it and like, well, you haven't been getting beat through the air, but we also haven't played anybody who could throw the ball. So I think yeah. that's part of the problem as well. Right. Um, he said the offensive line, and I don't think the offensive line has been as bad as people think. Um, no. You know, no. The, we haven't broken off a big run. I think there's probably some of that there. But um, for the most part, the offensive line performance statistically has been, been
3: pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, they're they're one of the better teams in the in the conference in terms of sacks allowed. And I already told you that yeah. I think State's right at the top in pass attempts. So that ratio is yeah. is what you want. Um, so yeah.
2: Did, did you All guys, right. James? Sorry, just a quick question on that topic, James. Did you guys feel like when you look back at the game that was the O line just playing worse than usual, or was it just a kind of a occurrence where the defense was just making the right calls to get guys in gaps?
3: Yeah, I think so when we you know we um when we went back and watched it, uh, me and Philip, the guy who charged it for us, we were talking about this and, and I thought Boston College had a had a, a really good game plan and their game plan was basically make Bailey Hockman beat us. Um and they they came in and they stacked the box, they stacked the line of scrimmage, and often what they would do is whether State was in uh, you know, um eleven personnel, which is one one running back, one tight end, um, or or 10 personnel, I mean whatever, they would have six guys on the line of scrimmage defensively. And so basically your whole your whole offensive line's covered including a tight end and they can send any of those guys, any combination of those guys. So so right away that creates com- confusion for your offensive line. But what they were doing was they were keeping them up on the line and playing run first. So basically you would line up and have every gap covered off the line of scrimmage which kind of which makes it hard to get a lot of push right away and then if they saw it was a pass they were dropping guys out. So they would drop a guy into a zone or into a lane and try and take away some RPO stuff. So it was a really good scheme, I thought, from BC. And they just didn't respect the passing game. And that's why I thought early in the first half, you look at the numbers, State couldn't run the football at all. But what you got to do against that type of a front is you have to be able to throw on time. And what I mean is you got to be able to get to your three-step drop and, find, and hit slants, hit outs, hit curls, hit hitches, hit different things just to get the ball out quickly. Um And, and le- once Leary started to do that in the second half, the box got a little lighter. They had to pull out some defenders. And you notice, I think, in the second half, state average like five yards per carry running the football. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't great, but it was a lot better than what they were doing. And I think a lot of that was just because BC's game plan was was all built on forcing Hawkman to beat him through the air.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I think we'll see that change, or hopefully we'll see that change, given... Um, a little bit better passing attack, right? Being able to stretch it a little bit more. Um One man Wolfpack asks, w- <laughs> "We're we're in a safe space. I'm going to add some words to this. We're in a safe space, James. Nobody's here. All right. Give us your true thoughts on Dave huxbull his
3: seven years. You know, man, it's funny. I'm, I've, and and Will and Evan, you guys have followed my, my stuff over at IPS, and Will, I know you were all the way back at Pack Pride. I'm never really been a big Blame the coach's guy. Mm-hmm. And I know I get labeled a homer for that. And people say I'm protecting sources and all that. It really has nothing to do <laughs> with that. It doesn't. You know, I think part of it for me is I've coached. Um, I've, I've, been, I've been coaching uh, basketball now. Uh, I coach uh, high school, uh, AAU for fi- uh, almost, almost 15 years now. So it's been a while. But when you coach that much, like you understand how much the players matter. Right. Like, I mean, I remember, you know, you can draw up the greatest play call you want to draw up and and it's going to work. But if they don't execute it, it doesn't work. And and so for me, I generally just kind of talk about the players more. So I haven't really been a, a big. Anti Dave Huxtable guy, I mean, I think NC State has has been has an identity defensively that, you know, when we talked about it offensively. We didn't talk about it defensively. They do defensively. They stop the run. They get after the quarterback. That's their identity. Yep. Um, you know, going into the BC game, they were number one in the ACC in rush defense, top five nationally. They've been really good the last two or three years in it. They have something to hang their hat on defensively. That That's that's their traits. And so, you know, I just and, – and I saw your tweet about it, Evan. I just really think it's hard to consistently play, like, you know, shut every team down every single week to where your defensive coordinator's, you know, the issue, yeah. right? And then the other thing that I think is funny about it is if I did complain about the coaching, it wouldn't be the coordinators. It would be the position coaches, because I think a lot of the problems people have, it's not really coordinator coordinator related. You know, I mean, if you're missing tackle at the linebacker position or the defensive line position, for instance, then don't you blame the defensive line coach. But it tends to go to Huxtable for some right. reason.
0: Now, I was going to say, same way it goes uphill for the coach and the same way for the offensive right. coordinator. Right, and I
3: mean, you know, like a like a perfect example for me, man, is I got a buddy um, I play basketball with, and he's a big Cowboys fan. And I know um, I think two weeks ago the Cowboys lost to, I think it was the Jets. And he came in, you know, we went and played ball that next morning. He comes in there and he's just – he's going crazy, cussing about how bad Jason Garrett is, their kid, coach, all this stuff. You know, we need a fire and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Come back the next week, I think they beat the Eagles the next week. And he comes in too, same Monday mornings right after Sunday. Oh, man, you see how good Dak looked last night? You see how good Zeke was? And I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. You just spent all last week complaining about Garrett. You didn't talk about how, how shitty Dak was at that, that game. You know, you didn't talk about how bad <laughs> Cooper was, none of that stuff. It was Garrett. And you come in here today and you want to talk to me about the players just because you won. Like, so you're not going to talk about Garrett now? And I just genuine. I tend to – you know, for me, I'm always going to try and talk about the players, win or lose. And I just feel like a lot of times the fans, you know, when you win a game, it's, man, you see how great Larell Murchison looked or Russell Wilson or whoever. And then when you lose, it's Dave Hustable stinks or – we need new offensive coordinators. <laughs> and it's like, wait a second, It can't be that way, can it? I, that's just how I view it.
2: You can't ask Adam that because you know he's I mean, the one I always turning on I'm not on
3: saying Dave was perfect. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I just think that offensively – I mean, I mean, I think defensively you have an identity, which is what you want. And you're going to have games where, you you know, you you struggle um, against, against good offenses. Yeah, I mean – I, I don't know. I, I, I just like, like, for instance, you look at a BC game, you, you got, we talked about the Isaiah Moore missed tackle the other, a the, uh, few minutes ago. I mean, I thought Dave called a great play call. You know, a second and 20. Yeah. You had a run, you had a linebacker in the backfield where it should have been a three yard loss. At that point, he can't do anything else. I mean, he can't. You make that tackle, it's third and 23, they're likely going to end up hunting. Uh, instead, it's a 50 yard touchdown. And like, the, to me, that's a perfect example of why I always say, I think players just matter a lot more than coaches because they're the ones actually, you know, going out and going out and executing, but the coaches do get the, the blame and they're the only ones getting paid. So, you know.
2: Yeah. I mean, perfect example is right. I mean, if Bailey Hawk and Hawkman scores after that pick six, wasn't that drive right after that, where they got down to the one, mm-hmm. you're, you're talking yeah. about a 10, seven game, right. And then well, it's completely different.
3: Well, um, yeah, you look at the, you, you look at NC state's red zone, offense you know i've been i was talking about this on our forums here recently i mean Des, you know we des kitchens has called a lot of flack for nc state not been able to score in the red zone well De- devin leary throws three red zone passing touchdowns in the second half and all three of them came in the red zone and did did des really call anything differently i
2: don't think so well you know how good we would have looked if mckay had scored there right well,
3: yeah, I mean, maybe, but, but, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I just, right. I just think you, you talked about the Bailey Hockman play, same play call that they scored one of the, uh, what, well, yeah, they had an opportunity to score on. He just air mails it. You know I mean? You know, fourth and goal there, Thomas is wide open. He airmails it. I mean, you know, you got to execute. So I, I'm, I'm just a big players guy and I get it, but, but I, and I understand why some people, you know, why, why folks talk about the coaches, but for me, I'm just never been really one to, to kind of, you know, get in on that. Um, that's-
0: yeah, I've had my moments with Huxtable. Um, <laughs> some public on this podcast, some not. But the one that really got me this year was after the West Virginia game. And I'm as frustrated as right. anybody after that game. And then watched the Wolfpack coaches show, watched one, and they showed him at halftime. And it. it I know it was out of context, and I know it was just a, like a 30-second clip, but it was like, it was Huxville, and they was like, "All right, guys, you're doing a great job. You know, keep doing what you're doing." And I'm like, "You guys are getting torched. Why are you going to keep doing what you're doing?" And I, I think things like that the the insanity of last year, your defense, your secondary was terrible, right? I mean, and there's no bones about it. But you're still playing into that. And now, I don't know what you can adjust because I don't know if you have the players, but. It felt like you're not adjusting to compensate for your terrible secondary.
3: Yeah. and Maybe they were. Maybe I don't know enough. Yeah, spread. and that's the thing about coaching that that becomes um, – and that's what – you know, we talked about it earlier with an identity. And I've heard D- Doran mention it r- multiple times. You know, we put a lot of stress on our cornerbacks in our secondary. And what he means by that is if you're going to be a team that's going to stop the run – you're often committing guys to the box. You're often loading the box. I mean, you're, you're, your identity is stopping the run. You're not doing that playing just four down line. Yeah. I mean, your, your linebackers are getting downhill. Your safeties are run blitzing, or they're showing a lot of run. You know, um, they're, they've got gap assignments. They're just not playing coverage. You don't see State just playing too deep the whole game, just not allowing teams to pass. Now, if you want to do that, fine. They could do that. But I think they view it like if we can stop the run, we can make teams one-dimensional – and if we give up a bunch of passing yards while a team's trying to chase us from behind, that's fine. You know, um, and so I think a lot of their secondary issues is because they don't give those guys a ton of help back there. You know, I mean, it's just you look at Jarius Moorhead every time he sees play action, just watch what he does. I mean, he's taking two or three steps to the line of scrimmage. Every time he sees the ball about to be handed off because that's what, you know, that's what State wants to do. They don't want to give up big running plays. Um and, and, you know, you're right. I mean, there's games where they get shredded through the air. But I see teams, you know, get shredded through the air and the run, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I watched – I don't know why. I was probably the only person in America two weeks ago watching Louisville and Wake play. Oh, I think LSU was playing Florida. And I was watching Louisville Wake for some reason. <laughs> and a 62-59. And I'm like, okay. I know Dave Huxtable is whatever to people, but – Louisville and their great coach, Scott Satterfield, and his great defensive coordinator, they just gave up 59 to Wake. And Wake's Dave Claussen and his great D.C., they just gave up 62 <laughs> to Louisville. And I'm like, you know, it happens. And this is what I mean, Evan, when I, Evan, when I say it. It happens to everybody. I mean, yeah. I just watched a five-hour football game between Louisville and Wake Forest because neither one could stop anybody.
0: Yeah, we watched that game too, and we were basically saying the same thing. Like, this is ridiculous. I mean, it was – it was absurd. Uh, leaning into that, coaches, there's there's some questions here, and there's a few of them. So I'll just kind of sum up, sum her, sum them up. Uh, our boy Nick asks us if he thinks the co-offensive coordinator setup set will work long term, or if two OCs equal no OCs. What's your thought?
3: Well, I, I think it can be successful. I think Clemson's running it right now. Um, now again, they've got Clemson talent, but um, you know, I mean, like <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, uh, players. But yeah, they are running a co O C deal. And I think it's a little I mean, at least based on the way it's been explained to me, I don't really know if it's necessarily co OCs. I mean, a lot of people don't don't even realize State's got co-DCs. I mean, it's you know, you've got Tony Gibson yeah. and, and Dave Huxtable, but Huxtable makes the play calls. Offensively, Des Kitchings is making the play calls. Um, I don't think George is making any play calls, so I don't really think it's a deal where the co O C issue is an issue. Um I think they meet, they talk at halftime. I mean, I'm sure in between when the defense is on the field, they're talking. But, yeah, I mean, I think you've got Dez making the call. So if you've got an issue with the play calling, it's Dez Kitchen. I personally haven't had a ton of issues with the play calling just because, you know, when I watch it, I mean, I generally have seen opportunities there to produce. Um, and, you know, I mean, like, just again, we, I hate to keep going to Hawkman, but you go back to the Florida State game, uh, it might have been the first drive into the red zone. I think it was third and goal. And they run uh they they leap they leak Ricky Person out into the flat. He's completely wide open. He doesn't see him and he tries to throw to carry Angeline into the end zone, which was fine. It was a one on one against a safety. I'll throw to him all day. And he throws it out of bounds. Right. And yeah. it's like that play call had two guys as options, one who was unguarded. And, in, and and as an offensive coordinator, you step back and you're done. It's up to the player to do something. And so he doesn't make the right read, doesn't make the right throw. All of a sudden you're kicking a field goal, your red zone offense sucks. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't – I mean, I think the – I think it's going to be something Dave's going to have to address in the offseason if it doesn't improve. Um, I think my, – my thing though with Dave, and I did want to point this out on this on, – on, y- on y'all's podcast, like I think he does a – he he does a thorough approach in terms of evaluating everything. I don't think he necessarily always looks at it as just a coaching p- uh, problem or a player problem. Uh um, right. he'll make changes that he thinks he needs to make. I think a lot of people were surprised Matt Canada was replaced, mm-hmm. right? Um he felt they needed to go in a different direction. Um and so I I don't know, I think the big question is what does Dave View as the problem with this year's offense? Does he think it's play calling or does he think it's execution and players i don't really know the answer to that you know it's interesting i
0: think this year just the general pulse of the fan has been less complaints about the play calls and more about the lack of production Mm -hmm. so you're not you don't have people complaining about the wildcat or you know some crazy ass play that drink drew up and tried to run Mm -hmm. we just haven't had that much it's just been more like production and so to me, that kind of leans into the execution, right? Maybe they're just not executing and the play calls aren't that bad. I mean, I still will wait until the end of the season before I formulate that opinion, but that's kind of where I'm at at this point. I don't think it's all as bad with the coordinators as people are making out to be.
3: Well, I know for me, I mean, I think I, – just, and just real quick, I mean, I think I, it took me a while early on to adjust to that. Yeah. And I think I, – I remember talking to a coach about it and what he told me was he said – you know, there's a game – in each game, you've got 80 plays, right? I mean, you've probably got 80 offensive plays. And and you've got two or three that may not be good play calls, right or wrong. I mean, they were probably bad play calls, but that, that happens. And yeah. I think, you know, those get magnified in the term in – the, in the becoming he's not really good as a coordinator because of those two or three play calls. And so it's hard to use just one or two um, as as a, as an issue, I think. Can you scheme
0: guys open – so we, everybody always talks about state doesn't have speed at wide receivers. Can they do a better job at scheming some of these guys open? Can you get in the ball in space? What, what's your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you've seen some of that. You know, they've run a lot of like, um, you know, screen and go uh, routes on the outside, you know, pumping the bubble jet, bubble screen and throwing, throwing down the sidelines. I mean, you look in the red zone here recently, they've run some really good slant and out combinations. You know, we talked about it earlier with Thayer Thomas, uh, you look at, I think it was Thayer's uh, second touchdown where they ran him over into a stack formation and kind of gave him a little screen in front with Kerry Angeline where he just ran ran up his up his back and, and caught it right at the goal line. I mean, I do mm-hmm. think that's something, honestly, they've done a ton more of that this year, in my opinion, than last year. And and I think that's something that, I, you know, I remember talking to to, to Diaz, uh Kitchens in the offseason, and he mentioned it, that, that that was an area they wanted to focus on him and George was finding a way to scheme, scheme guys, the ball more in space. Um, You know, last year it was just Jacoby get open, Kelvin get open, or just catch this jump ball. And that's pretty much it. I mean, they didn't do a ton because they didn't really have to. I mean, they were, they were really talented at receiver and quarterback. Whereas this year they've had to be a little more creative, probably doesn't look like they've done it as much because the quarterbacks have been as accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, I want to say Philip, who was charting our game, he said that in in Boston College, I think he said that State might have had the second most yards per yards after the catch all season. I think the first was at uh, at ECU, and it was just because um, you know Leary was accurate in getting them the ball in space and allowing them to make plays. I mean, there's been plays where guys have been schemed open and they've had to catch the ball falling down, right? And they can't run for anything more, and so you don't really notice it, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of leans into the execution part. I think we haven't seen a well-executed offense yet, and so how, to make a judgment call on the offensive coordinators or the game plan I think is not really completely fair. Um, in In regards to that, and this is uh, more of a recruiting question, have you seen Dave Doran's philosophy, recruiting philosophy, change over the years? Um, I, th- You mentioned Jacoby and Kelvin. Are are you seeing him go more for the speed guy now as opposed to
3: the big bodied wide receiver? I think he's looking to bring in more of a variety. Um you know, you look at what they've got yeah. uh what they took um or what they have this year, Porter Rooks. I think he's in my opinion, he's probably the best um he's the best rec- uh, receiver they've recruited. Uh, I think from a um pure talent standpoint. I mean, he's he's on a different level. Um and, and I am not saying he's going to come in and be all ACC or be as good as Kelvin Harmon. Obviously, he's got a he's got to play when he gets to Raleigh. But when you watch him go through one on one, and when you watch him run routes, I mean, this is a guy that's not an athlete trying to play receiver. You know, he's a guy who's a true receiver. Great hands, great routes, understands how to use his body, has good speed. He, I mean, he can he could come in and be an. I think I think he could be an impact player from day one for state, um, and they need that. But I also think, I mean, again, it's the same deal with this whole team. I mean, they're still young, relatively young at receiver. You know, De- Devin Carter's starting to show out um, and play better, and he's a big-bodied guy. I mean, I think they've had to mix it up more. Um, I think adding speed was a point of emphasis. You look at Tabari Hines bringing him in, Keon Lesane, Um, I think, uh, trying to go through in my head who they've got, they've got Rooks. Uh, they Josh Crabtree, he's another guy who has good speed. I mean, I think that's something they, they're looking to add. But they do like those big body guys that can win contested catches. And the reason is because when, when you're throwing to a target like that, you don't have to be as accurate, right? I mean, it's harder throwing throwing in tight windows to Thayer Thomas than it is throwing to a Mecca Bezzi. Just It just is. And and that's why they tend to favor those big-bodied receivers. You look at what you're going to see this this week against Wake Forest. I mean, they've got Sage Sherratt at 6'3", on the outside, and Scotty Washington at 6'5". And I think that's that's tough to deal with, with the way they can throw flags now for pass interference if you breathe on somebody, um, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a mixture, but but I think State's going to always tend to lean to those big receivers under Doran.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Will, you want to? Yeah, I'll come off of mute here in Puerto Rico. Uh, yeah, so I was going to say, uh, after uh, seven seasons with Dave Doran, um, what have you seen change in the program Behind scenes that maybe fans haven't noticed. What has changed just relative to the program? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe just something that either they're not aware of, or you know, it could be something as simple as like adding certain people to the staff. You know, behind scenes, that kind of thing.
3: You know, I mean, honestly, man, I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. I think Dave is not afraid to shake things up, and it's funny because you know, I think he's got this this label of being stubborn or loyal to a fault. As you go and look at some of the moves he's made in terms of his staff, right? I mean, Richard McNutt, who he brought from, from Northern Illinois, he fires after one season. Frisman Jackson, he's having an issue developing receivers. Another guy he brought from Northern Illinois, he gets rid of him. We talked about it with Matt Canada. Um, I think the biggest may have, may have been Jason Veltkamp, the strength coach. I mean, you think about you have a strength coach mm. who's, who's doing a, perceived to be a really good job and you just let him go to promote the guy working underneath him just think about who who does that <laughs> who, who who would a place like you know anywhere you know you promote it, you 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 just you just let go of a guy to promote his assistant and then d'antonio ends up doing really really well and i think dave is just he doesn't really i mean he evaluates his staff each year um he he make he has to make tough decisions but i think what he tries to bring in he tries to bring in guys that fit and coach the way he wants it, wants it done, and if he doesn't feel like you're doing that, you know he'll look he'll look to upgrade, and and I think you got to be that way. I think as coaches, you know I remember I, I was talking to um a buddy of mine who uh, actually is a Texas grad, and, and when Mac Brown ca- got hired at Carolina, he called me about it, and I, I was asking him what was Max' problem, and what what happened, what went wrong at Texas, and he just said he just got complacent, got lazy you know you'd go out to practice alums would be out there they they're practicing and he's sitting on a golf cart just talking to boosters the whole time not even watching practice <laughs> um didn't didn't really you know and and again maybe max root re- changed that i'm just saying what he was doing at t- at, at texas but wasn't his hands on let his staff do all the recruiting for the most part um and dave is the complete opposite of that i mean he's involved i mean i'm out there we're allowed one practice a, y- a year that we can essentially go to and he's over there coaching special teams units himself. You know he's involved. He's hands on. He's actually involved. I mean, it, it's. I think that stuff carries over to his staff, and I think, I think that's something that you have to respect from from um, from from what he's doing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, and we've said it a lot. I think Dave Dorn is a lot smarter than people give him credit for, and I think he's, um, you know, he keeps ninety percent of Dave Dorn to his team and to himself and we only get the 10% and that's right. what people are making judgment calls on. Um, I don't think he's perfect. I think there's some areas that he can improve on, but I, I think he's learning on the job a little bit as he gets going. Uh, you know, that just my opinion, but I think that's what a smart football coach would do anyway. So I'm going to ask you this as an alumni and as a fan, are you happy with Dave Dorn and where
3: do you think he could improve? I am. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm really happy with him. To be honest with you, I mean, I think it comes down to me just knowing, um, how much recruiting matters. And I'm not saying rankings. I just mean finding guys. I think he does a great job of identifying talent and for guys that fit his system. I mean, you go and look at the kid um, Jabari Zuniga, who who they signed um a couple years back, uh, who he'd been committed, and and he ends up flipping to Florida. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's one of the best defensive linemen in, in SEC. I mean, this was a guy who didn't have any, hardly any offers. And, um, I mean, just that's just an example. I mean, you look at the guys he's developed here in, in coach. So, does a really good job of, of evaluating talent. I mean, where can he improve? Um, You know, I think with, you know, I talked about it earlier, being hands-on. I think sometimes you can be too hands-on. Um, I think maybe maybe not being as – I don't want to say micromanaging but you you know you can give a, a longer leash to some of your coaches. maybe that's something he can do differently. I do think Dave is so competitive that maybe sometimes the the um it gets to him um and and he really feels it I mean I think sometimes you may that that I wonder with him and again I'm not around the players as, as that much to where you can tell this but you know if, if a coach is feeling pressure on a game on a situation, does that carry over to the players, right? I know, like I told you earlier, I, I do some coaching. I mean, for me, I try to – when I'm coaching, I try to be as loose as possible because I think that they can sense pressure from you, they get they, – the, the player can feel it as well. And I just wonder if he is feeling pressure in, in game situations or having to get a certain win, does that carry over? Um, You know, I mean, he's changed up his defensive scheme now, which which I think that was something a lot of people had issues with. Um, man, I mean, uh, there's not really a ton else, you know, outside of that. I mean, I guess maybe be more outgoing, be more personable. Um, but you know, I mean, we saw how outgoing and personable Chuck was and that became a flaw, (laughs) right? I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, at at the end of the day, you just got to win, you know, know, whether it's personable or not, either way, it's going to be a flaw if you don't win. And, um, and so that, those are some of the things, I mean, probably not a ton I would change, but he's a head coach, you know, I don't, I mean, I think it's more, there's program things that you can look at versus just stuff specifically with him.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, I feel the same way. I think that's, I interviewed, and this is going back in the archives, Scott Roussel from football scoop. This was 2016. Okay. Um, I think he's an excellent guest. If you ever get a chance, you should have him on. He's super, he's really good. Um, but I, I interviewed him, and this was 2016, so Dave's second year. And one of his comments was, NC State has always had everything it's needed but leadership and leadership to win. And he said, "You know, paraphrasing, Debbie, I is changing that, and things are in place now that you should win. Now, she's gone. That tenure's changed. Have you had much interaction with
3: Boo? And what's your early read on him, if you have? I honestly have not had any um none, and you know debbie um uh, had a lot of interaction with her i mean yeah. she's she was great, and that's not to say boo is not I mean to be completely honest with you, I haven't tried yet um yeah. I, I really haven't I haven't even reached out to him i haven't I haven't shot him an email I haven't interviewed right. him done anything yet um uh, I'm, I'm gonna try and do some of that at some point when I get a downtime, but I've heard good things about him um i really have I just haven't had a chance personally to interact with him. I do think from what I've heard. He's going to be a guy that that is going to be more wanting to funnel funds into the to your revenue sports versus diversifying them into all of the sports like Debbie was. And that's not to say one way's better than the other, but I, I think I think you know you look at Clemson for instance. I mean, I think almost any dime they can get they're putting to football, right? And and I don't think that's necessarily going to be to that degree at state, but I do think you're going to see uh, football and men's basketball get get more prioritized under uh, Boo.
2: James, I'm gonna throw you a pop pass like we're on the one yard line, All right. and you're UNC. Oh God! It, it, is Mac back? And has he flipped Rob McClam from 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 you guys <laughs> to him?
3: <laughs> that's hilarious. I don't know if Mac's back, man. Like, you know, one thing that would, that's interesting, and you know, I want to get your you guys' opinion on this is if you go and look. And I started back. I mean, this was back to maybe like I told Evan, I was I was a state at '98, and Okane was there. And I don't remember what year Torbush was uh was fired at Carolina. Was that '01? I don't know. Um, but it was right way, around there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my point is, it just feels like when State or Carolina make a coaching change, a year later the other school does, and it's almost played out that way. I think Chuck was hired in in 2000. I think um, Torbush was fired maybe in 0-1. Mm-hmm. Then you go and look at '05. I think maybe were Bunny and Chuck fired in the same year. I think they might have been replaced no they were they were staggered yeah they were one after each other okay yeah one after and then you look at um at fedora was a year was uh i think tom was a year after fedora was hired yep yep and now you got mac here and so i think what it does is whoever the coach is it puts more pressure on the other school because they're coming in selling hope selling dreams all these different things and um I don't necessarily think Mac is back. I, I think Carolina's playing in the coastal. Um, you know, ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. I mean, they, I, I'm waiting on somebody to win that that division at four and four. It could happen this year. Um, and, and and you know we'll see. I mean, I think look, Carolina's Carolina's four and four right now. Um, so you know they're recruiting at a at a good level, but they're going to recruit at a good level. I mean, Carolina's always recruiting at a good level. I mean, I, I just think for state. It's going to be interesting to see if Doran can, and I don't want I don't want to say survive if that's the right word, but can he break that type of a streak, right? Because there's a ton of pressure now with with Matt coming in and recruiting well in state and all these things. State just has to win. Yeah. Like they have enough talent on this roster to win in 2020, win in 2021, to where none of that matters. I mean, you go and look in, in, in 2015, when Fedora won the Coastal and won 11 games, I mean, would you have thought Doran would still be here four years later? I mean, you think about Fedora winning 11 games, winning the Coastal, beating State in Raleigh that year, and Doran outlast Fedora. <laughs> That's mind-boggling to me. Um, it, really, it really is. I mean, I would have never – I mean, because, you know, at that point, Doran still hadn't had any breakout year, really, and um, he found a way to do it. Will he do it again? You know, we'll see. But I the talent's now to just win. I mean, Evan Evan hit the nail on the head earlier. I mean, the ACC outside of Clemson is down everywhere right now, and All State needs, in my opinion, as a quarterback. If they if they find a quarterback, they can be the second best team in this in this conference going forward for 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 a couple of years, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not on the Mack is back hype train. I think they're getting better. I think he's made some some decent assistant hires, but they've played some trash. They've gotten a <laughs> you know a jump pass, a phantom pass interference from Miami. I mean, all sorts of things have just fallen their way, like things fall their way for Carolina. So, I'm I'm not into that. I think people are getting overhyped with the recruiting stuff, just because the majority of state's class has been done. For a while now, right? I mean, they're they're just trying to fill some spots over these last few months. And, of course, a second-year coach is going to have a lot to sell, right? They're going to have playing time to sell.
3: They're going to sell a dream. So people get worked up about it. I I don't – I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Um, I was talking to a high school coach um, over the summer, and we were talking about the the way these two teams were recruiting. And uh, he knew there's a defensive – Desmond Evans is, is is in his area, a yeah. uh, five-star kid who committed to Carolina uh, defensive end. And I asked him, why did was he surprised he didn't go to state? And, and he said, no, because Carolina was telling him who all state had landed on the defensive line the last two years relative to them. I mean, and you go and look at NC State's recruiting, I mean, you know, last two years, I mean, on the defensive line, you've landed a Lee McNeil, Savion Jackson, C.J. Clark, Josh Harris. That's four four-star kids. Carolina did not land any in-state defensive line in the last two years. Right. So, like you said, you're selling hope, but you're also selling a bunch of playing time to guys now that state just can't really sell any. I mean, they're redshirting those guys. I mean, essentially. I mean, you can redshirt all of those guys if you want to right now. And, and Carolina can go to Desmond Evans and say, well, they're redshirting X, A, B, C, and D. We didn't sign anyone. You can stay in state. You can go here. You can play basketball. Why not? I mean, so, you know, again, I, I think that's a pretty easy pitch right now Carolina has yeah, that NC State just can't really deal with. All
0: right. Last question for real. i kept you on too long. The Hoops team is currently undefeated. Is it safe to assume they'll stay that way through March? Yeah, I'm going to go with four losses.
3: Can we do Oh, four losses? No, Ooh. I'm just kidding, man. Did didn't Gavin <laughs> Grant do that? <laughs> yeah, Gavin Grant did that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the infamous Gavin Grant four losses – no, I, you know, I, I think I, we'll see. How do you guys feel about basketball? I I like it. I think he's finally has his
0: guys or has more of the guys that can play how he wants to play. Um, I think he's filled in a few positions, maybe questionably, just out of desperation. Right. Um, and I say that like Danny Dixon. I don't think he's going to play a whole lot. Um, but he's actually picked up some guys that I, I think are going to fit. His need to have more guys that can shoot, more guys that can handle the ball. I think it's just something yeah. that he hasn't had yet.
3: Yeah, and and for me, it's experience. You know, I was telling telling the guys on the site. Um, I mean, you 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 two probably agree. College basketball is a guards game. Um, I, I can't even yeah. name really many bigs that I think are good in college basketball. Um, so, you know, State's got senior Markel Johnson who could be all ACC, and you got Richard senior CJ Bryce. Redshirt junior Devin Daniels, junior Braxton Beverly, all those guys played last year. I mean, that should be their advantage, in my opinion, this year, is the experience at guard. If those guys can play like you're, you want experienced guards to play, I mean, I think State's going to have a shot to to win a lot of games this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you need to have guards. Uh, I'm done worrying about getting any big guys that really matter because no, one, no <laughs> one seems to throw them the ball anymore anyways. Evan, you know how it is when we play basketball. We don't give those
2: big guys the ball any.
3: No, man,
0: shooters got to shoot,
3: shoot to get hot,
0: shoot to stay hot. I got them all.
2: I assume Evan was just setting screens and picks out there. No,
0: Evan's a shooter, man. Don't let
3: him lie to you like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Takes a shooter to know one, folks. Uh, I'll tell you
1: that much.
0: All right, James. Don't let
1: him him lie to you. (laughs) Yeah, right?
0: All right, James, I appreciate you coming on for – far longer than you probably planned on but i i appreciate it. it's always yeah, fun. my wife's gonna have to change plans
3: tonight i guess
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you're welcome then you're welcome yeah she, she's gone she's gonna thanks guys i appreciate that she's she's the bit the door shut thank you <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right folks you here james henderson knocking on your door he needs someplace to sleep so and
3: let and him if in you, need to, you can
2: call runa cooper <laughs> Oh, God! <laughs> there you go. Runa
3: <laughs> charging for this mention. There you go. All
0: right, folks, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Go pack.